<laughs> I am at, we're actually are going to read passages in groups. Um, and then I'll actually preach on what it is that all of you produce um, from your reading of scripture together. Okay, so thankfully you're thinking, I already had a long day's work. But you won't have to read the, Bible, the scriptures by yourself. You'll get to do it with a group of people. Um, so if there's whatever little brain power there is, we'll be able to combine it with five or six other people and hopefully get to 60%. Nice. Uh, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, and, th- and then that'll y- and it'll be on different passages from John 13 to 15 uh, because there are rather amazing connections about the themes that all of you have been studying, which remarkably overlaps with one that we started, although it's going to end in a little bit, in Richmond, on love. Come on. Um, so you're studying one another, we're studying love, something special going on there, that's not a coincidence. Um, so anyway, let's go ahead and come together and pray, and uh, then I'll give you a little start here. Uh, blessed Father, we're so thankful to be together. Um, God, it's such a joy to be here. Um, I know that uh, with my wife and kids, that they have their midweek there tonight, and, um, and uh, I know my wife is doing a lesson with, with Priya, uh, and uh, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit, as always, can very much penetrate our hearts. Uh, and especially for any of us that may have a hard heart, that it'll be softened in the presence of your word, yeah. that it can be transformed, that it can truly listen, mm-hmm. uh, and that especially, God, you can lift us up in the fellowship now and that we can have fellowship with one another that is truly one focused on one another, mm-hmm. uh, on truly encouraging somebody else, uh, on speaking words to somebody else according to what they need, to give grace to the person that we're communicating with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God, whatever it is that you're training us, just like you're training us in Richmond and here in Charlottesville and worldwide, uh, God, we know that you call us uh, to uh, live into this, this love that there, for which there is no greater love. Amen. Uh, and it's your love, it's yeah. the love that you've poured out into us. Um, and uh, God, especially to do it here um, and uh, the amount of love I have for Charlottesville and uh, just the uh, wonderful years I had here and everything that I learned about love from being here. Um, I'm truly <laughs> grateful and I pray that all of us are overflowing with gratitude for you and for one another. We thank you so much in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, all right. So, um, the slides that I have uh, here are actually, they're just actually a series of slides with passages and questions that each of the groups will tackle, okay? Um, but, uh, by way of intro, um, you know, if you were to think of the Gospel of John here, and this is of course off the top of your head, you don't have to put any pressure on yourself as if you know, you'd been working on it or something for a few months before this lesson. Um, but when you, when you think of the Gospel of John, what is, the, what is the theme that sticks out to you? What's a word that you see often come, come up? Um, if there were a goal, um, right, something that the Gospel of John seems to want to drive into those who are reading it, um, right, what would that possibly be for the game? Light. Light. Yeah. Love. Love. Okay. Yeah, belief. Belief. Okay, so all these, you've got, you've got to actually hit a lot of the key words of that, of that gospel. Um, now, all of those, faith, believe, love, there's one that we've missed, because they all <laughs> Okay, yeah. Word. Up. Uh, just kidding. Um, okay, that one's a great one. There's still another. Truth. Truth? Okay. It's sort of, it's all like we're dancing around it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Christ? Christ? No. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, that's, somebody finally said to one that goes, you never miss with Jesus. Knowledge? I'm just going to say Jesus for every single one. Knowledge? No, not knowledge. Life. Okay. Life. In fact, uh, the beginning of John, 
It's one that we've read a number of times. In the beginning was the Word. It's our very first verse. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Um, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So obviously now when we start thinking about it, surely we start to, oh, yes. Jesus talks about life a lot in the Gospel of John, 36 times, uh, in fact. And what, like half of the amount, 17 times, he also talks about being eternal life. Um, which, at least in the original, basically reads the life of the ages. Um, which I kind of like little bit more now. Um, I don't think we kind of grow out of, I don't like the word eternal life, so I'm going to move on to another one. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but it literally leads the life of the ages or the life of the age to come. Um, so it is, I mean, that's, a, which is about as full a life as you can get. Um, and we know some of the most famous things that Jesus says, right? I came to have, right? I came that they may have life to the full. Life to the full. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way and the truth and the, and the life. life. Okay? So, background music. Um, right, so, yeah, I mean, you can see here, over and over again, he talks about this life. So, what's the connection? Can we obviously separate love from life? No. And the love that we have one another, with one another in the fellowship, has everything to do with how filled up we are in life, right? Um, and that's where, right, when we move over to chapter 13, here in the Gospel of John, uh, and this is where, I'm going to shut up for a little while, um, right, the, in John 13, you basically start with the second half of the Gospel of John. Um, and sometimes people call it, when you, if you read commentaries and that sort of thing, People will, uh, scholars will identify it as a farewell discourse. It's kind of like my goodbye speech. It was good hanging with you. See ya. Um, and typically in writings of, the, of that kind, a farewell speech, uh, during that time, there was a number of things that were, you know, common to include in that kind of speech. Just like if we have a valedictorian speech, there are certain things that you expect to hear in a valedictorian speech. In a farewell speech, there are certain things you expect to hear. Um, and it has, of course, to do with how grateful he is for his audience, who's going to succeed him, words of inspiration, right? And so usually also then there's usually some kind of attack on potential enemies <laughs> uh, on the future. Um, all of that stuff. It's kind of like I'm providing for you before I go. All right. Um, so 13 through 15 is just part of that farewell speech. It actually goes into 17, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, right? 17 <laughs> has that amazing prayer that Jesus gives, sometimes called high priestly prayer. It's a very long and extended and deep and really amazing prayer uh, about what Jesus the Son wants for all his disciples uh, as he moves forward. We're just simply going to start in chapter 13, um, actually end of chapter 12, and then go uh, into 15. And we're actually going to skip a number of chunks here. But the ultimate point, okay, will be what is it about Jesus's love for his disciples that transform the way we do mission. Okay? Um, and it, I think it will actually reveal a number of things, especially about this question. You know how sometimes we struggle with the idea, how much are we supposed to love one another in the church and not necessarily focus on the mission, right? You think, oh, we got to love one another. we got to hunker down. we got to make sure that we love one another. 
And, and then once we got that straight, we'll go and do mission. Or no, 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 right? We, we've, we've got the God's gift of, of salvation here. We're enjoying it. We're get, we need to get it out there. Uh, and then sometimes think, oh, well, now we've neglected the love that we need for one another. Does that make sense? Right? And we have somewhat of a kind of back and forth relationship. Well, I think chapters 13 through 15 actually have a very powerful response to that kind of, if you want to call it a dilemma, I guess. Um, you can call it a dilemma. Okay? Great. So, you ready to get into it? Let's yeah, go. All right, so let's do it. All right. So, we'll start here and we'll go up. Let's see. You guys will probably have close to about 15 to 20 minutes to work on it together. Um, and let's see. Well, gosh, it's so convenient when we have these tables. <laughs> well, all you have to do is simply turn around and you have a group there. One, two, three, four. Okay, that's the mama's table. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Now there might be a couple of tables over here. Yeah, including Aaron. We're there to, to come together so you have enough. Yeah, this will probably work. Okay, so I've got five passages. That means that there'll be a couple of tables that'll end up doing the same passage, which is cool. All right? Okay, so the first one here. All right, take a look here at 12... Uh, Chapter 12, verse 44. So it's actually the very end of chapter, of chapter 12, verse 44 to 13, 1. In that passage, which actually some of us know very, very well. Um, all right, I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. It's that passage. Um, right, the words that I express are the ones that will judge him in the end. All right, so the words sent, judge, and save. All right, when you take a look at all the way that Jesus uses those words, he's actually conveying a very powerful message. What is that? Right? You can discuss that as a, as a group. All right? The word, sent, judge, and save. All right? I guess you guys, this, this group can work on that one. All right? Um, and, and by the way, in some cases here, you'll actually have enough, enough verses that you should probably maybe split it among the group. Um, and just, you know, some of you can talk, can read that passage, take notes among four of you, and then some of the other folks can discuss the others and then you can come together and talk about it, okay? After about five or five to seven minutes. All right, and then there's actually a very powerful connection between verses uh, 1320 and 1244 and 45. Why is verse 1320 important for understanding 1244 and 45? Okay, and remember, you're thinking about love. You're thinking about God's mission, all right? You're thinking about intimate bonds, all right? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so we got that group there. All right, next one. John 13, 2 through 20. We know this, heard of this, right? When he says, now he was going to love them to the fullest. Some of our Bibles, it says, then Jesus wanted to love them to, what does mine have? Love them to the fullest extent. Yeah. Mine has here. He loved them to the end, is how it has it on, on mine, the NASB. All right. Okay, so why does Jesus now have to love them fully? Was he not loving them fully before? What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> and he's like, hey, because this is my last night, now I'm really going to lay on the love. <laughs> what? What would have we been doing? You know what I mean? You're giving us 80%? Um, okay, uh, and then why is the servant mad? Then there's a proverb in verses 14 to 17. So this is actually not too many verses. There's a servant master proverb that's actually matched with a sent sender. Right, which you can see, of course, there has to do with mission. Um, okay, why? Why match these together in verses 14 to 17? Okay. 
Okay, so it's good here. Yep. We have to use use our collective minds and collective hearts to think through this. You got that? So that next table? All yours? Alright. Can you see that? Probably stick with uh, yeah, I'm gonna go back there to those two tables two tables. Um, Alright, John, this is actually just 17 verses of John 13. Alright? And you'll see how all this ends up coming together. Um, John 13, 21 to 38. Actually, it's pretty amazing. It starts out with a betrayal. Then it talks about Jesus leaving. Then he talks about the love commandment that we all know about, John 13, 34. Love one another just as I have loved you, right? Then it goes back to him leaving and then another betrayal. So it's kind of very artistically, even poetically arranged. See how it fans out? Comes in, comes back out. Imagine, you can see the center there. So what's the big deal? What does that structure of the text convey about Jesus' intended message? That's what that group, okay? Which I guess will be the back two tables there, ending with Aaron. Um, all right. Cool. Come on. All right. Next one. Good stuff. John 14, 1 through 26. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, many rooms right? We know these. We're going to sing them. Um, all right. I'm going to prepare a place for you. What does that mean? Okay. Now, well, we know the usual way of thinking, hey, I'm going to have a nice room. Um, I'm going to have a nice room in God's house, uh, extreme makeover, home edition type room. Um, just kidding. What does the Son going to the Father have to do with the greater works? He says, right, I'm leaving, and those who believe in me will do greater works than me. What's that all about? Okay? So we got over here, we got teens, I can see, sitting in, yep, all right. Um, John 14, 1 through 26. All right. If you guys want to, maybe you should join the group back there. Yeah, fill that up. <laughs> All right. Uh, what does the Son go to the Father have to do with greater works? So that table there, we'll discuss that. Then good old John 15. Okay. Sorry, yeah, there I'm going to have to give you the whole thing. Um, right, this is the vine and the branches passage. All right. What is the relationship between abiding and bearing fruit, which for some of us could probably come very, very readily come to mind. How can a disciple both abide and go? Right, because both of those are in John 15. You've got to stay, dwell, remain, and go. Right? What does that say about mission? I'll actually leave it on this sec when we stop. There's, I've, I kind of cheated on you there, and I put three, three questions instead of two. Um, Okay, and if you don't get to this one, don't worry about it because I'll end up, I'll end up bringing that together with all the stuff that you share. But just in particular here, what is the relationship between abiding in divine, abiding in Christ, and bearing fruit? And then how can disciples actually do both, abide and go? Okay. So hopefully that will provide some, right, some discussion here for convictions. Have John 15. So that was that, this table here, right? With, yeah, with the Jeffers. Okay, yeah. Okay, there you are, and then the, and then the table back there. So, yeah, let's have those last two tables both do, John 15. Okay? Cool. And then if it's all the way in the back, you can choose whichever one you want, actually. Um, maybe that first one. If you want to do the John, John 12, 44. Okay? Arrive. 
um, mission forward. And I think obviously one of the ways that you put it is exactly right. There is no mission without love. And backwards, there is no love without mission. Um, now, of course, the thing that, of course, that drives that forward from the very beginning is the love between who and who? The Father and the Son. Right, of course, in this case, the Spirit. The only reason why any of us know about the, loves, right, the, fa- the love that the Father has for the Son and the Son after the Father is because of the Holy Spirit. Considering this happened 2,000 years ago, why are we hearing it now? Because of the Spirit. Um, and hence some of this stuff about the Trinity. All right? But that, that's the reason. The, the whole, now, here's a little added wrinkle, which I didn't talk about at the beginning, okay? That links chapter 13 and chapter 15 in the original. The word for prune is the same as the word for clean in the Greek. Okay? So, you could, you could some, in some sense, you could actually read them together. And it's actually kind of these root words um, that start with kath, katharu is what he mentions there. So when he says there, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he cleans it so that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean. It's the same word as it was. For, notice, he, in mine it actually says, you're already clean. The same word that's used when he's washing their feet. But you could, there may be a Bible, I don't know out there, I don't know, mine, mine doesn't have it that says, you're all, I don't think it says you're already pruned. But that's actually what he's also saying. He's saying both of them at the same time. I've pruned you clean. Huh. All right? As long as we abide in the vine with Jesus, we must allow ourselves to be pruned by him, to be cut. It's the same thing that, he, isn't it the exact same thing he says when he's washing their feet in John 13? Peter says, don't wash me. And what does he tell him? If you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. Wow. You cannot be my disciple unless you let me prune you. And the more you're pruned, the more you're joined to the vine. And the more what you bear. Fruit. Okay? So, to the question of, is the church supposed to be internally focused on brewing its love in a very tight bond, just as we see over and over again in the Gospel of John, even the section that we read, the son, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's like borderline annoying. The son, he's like, I, everything I do is with the father in mind. Everything I say is what the father has told me. And everything I do is the works of the father. Right? But then the same bond is what, of course, that's, that's what the first passage from 1244 that we read is Jesus is like, man, I'm so tight with the father and we talked about this in our group. Is there any gap between the Father and the Son and their unity and in their intimacy? No. And look how Jesus speaks about his bond with his own. Whoever receives you receives me. We ought to be so close to one another that we're seeing the same thing. And he says, and whoever receives one of you receives Jesus and therefore receives the Father. All right? This has a lot to say as far as how much we want to be bonded with one another. And what is the ultimate goal of being bonded with one another? The more bonded we are with each other, the more that love explodes outwardly, which I think is kind of some of the... the, I don't have an infograph for that either. Uh, uh, (laughs) um, But it is, it's kind of like, you know, we get like, boom, right? It has to head outward. I think that's what was being expressed here, I think, quite well. Um, It just simply can't help but do it. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, when we, when we get to this 
point um, in betrayal, glorification, um, right? Well, betrayal, departure, the love commandment. How much more so do we display God's love in the midst of trials? Which is one of the reasons why that's sandwiched in there. Right? I mean, Jesus is going through something very, very hard. That was the theme that also ran through a couple of the responses here. I have to go. He says, I got to get out of here. I've got to go. Because this world will have its way with me. Now, God's way, of course, will end up coming back. Why? Because it's filled with love. <laughs> it lays down its life for its friends. That's the way of enemy love. Right? That's what actually transforms the world. But, of course, we, we know the struggle is, oh, we'd love one another so much more if Jesus literally walked in here while I'm talking, pushed me out of the way, then took off his jacket like all of you did. Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking anything off. All right, and, and pushed him away and said, love one another. And then all of you are like, okay, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes. But Jesus said it. Gabe didn't. You know. um, but... Notice, he, right, just as the teens, right, the, the group here said, unless he goes, who won't come? The Spirit. Here's a paradox. Jesus is actually more present now than he was in his original ministry. Read the passage. What does he mean by greater works? That we're going to do stuff of greater quality than Jesus? Or is it about the scope? He's more widespread and present, right? It's not like because, you know, it was like, oh, he's out in the stratosphere somewhere, 5,000 miles, or whatever, you know what I mean, 30,000 miles, you know, the plane. No, he's not, any, he's not distant in that sense, spatially, at all. He's actually already been poured out into the fellowship. So he's poured out here. When, when, whenever I'm in a situation where I know I'm having a tough time drawing on the wells of love, I know most certainly that I haven't let myself be pruned enough to love, Right? Because I only see barriers between myself and what I need to say to this brother or that sister, whoever it is. Um, when in fact, the, right, what Jesus is saying here is that, man, whatever it is that we need to do to abide, to rest, to dwell, is this very same depth that will send us out. So here, there's no dilemma. It's not like the church first focuses on love and then goes out on mission. It's actually both. It actually holds them together. We abide and go. As weird as that sounds. I mean, this sounds even weirder, but it's almost like we're a mobile vine. As weird as that is. I mean, you see somebody driving around in a, you know, with a truck, and he's got a vine in the back. <laughs> That's the closest parallel that I could think of, is driving around as a fruitful vine. Right? Now, I don't know of any sort of trellises that people carry around, you know what I mean, with that sort of... But that's what the church is. We're like a traveling trellis, right, where the branches go out. Because yeah. notice, right, without... Without that root, there is no branches, right? There, and without the branches, actually, there's no fruit. So Jesus is actually calling us to grow out of him, in other words. And not just to grow out of him, but to grow out of the love that he and the Father have with each other. Right? The, the whole movement of 13 to 15 is that we're so caught up into the love that the Son has with the Father that we're virtually intoxicated by it. Right? I mean, we're completely sucked up into it. Read 16 and 17. May, just as I am with you and you are with me, may they be one with me, so that the world will know that you sent me. And amazing that it ends with a scent. Right? It's not so that everyone will have great feelings about us or that everyone you know, will have you know, a great self-improvement program in place and, and so forth. No, it's so that they will know that I was sent into the world to save it, which is exactly how Chris put it in the end. 
Right? All of this is for the sake of saving um, those who hate the Father. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So this is not an either-or issue. It's a both-and issue. We love one another, and that love is actually what sends us on the mission. And we're already sent on a mission to love. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. In, in that way, it's that simple. Um, the not-so-simple part is learning how to love one another. Uh, and, and wanting to learn how to love somebody else. And even help other people learn how to love you. Yeah. Um, which is the toughest part that I have. I'd rather go and learn how to you know, love somebody else than to have to, okay, this is, this is what truly shows love you know, for me. Um, and that's true. It's not about putting us first. Oh, everyone else is going to learn how to love me, and then I'll learn how to love everybody else. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> um, right, that's definitely not the way to do it. But that, I think, is the power of John 13 through 15. That's the, that's the, the no greater love is to lay down our life right. Right, for each other. Um, so in this coming week, you know, as you work on this one another, think of how is it that our love for each other is actually propelling us in mission? And what is it about us going into mission that shows us hey, how, to, how to truly love one another, right, for the sake of this mission? Where, where is, what's some way that I know that the love that I and a brother or sister have is something that I can definitely share with somebody else? Right. Yeah. Is there a situation where I haven't let someone in on the fact, you know what, we love one another? Not even as weird as that sounds. Oh, well, that's great. You love one another. You know, you're not quaint, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, no, it's, no, no, it's not that kind of thing, but it's a show. We really do genuinely care about one another. Mm. And of course, when you extend that to enemies, yeah. whoa, <laughs> right? That's hot. Um, okay, in, in fact, a little freebie to end with. You know, when Jesus says in, in the, in, in the, par- in the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, the man asks him, who is my neighbor, Right? Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In Hebrew, the word for neighbor is actually just two letters. Resh and Ayin. That's it. It's two letters. Ra is how you pronounce it. Guess what the word for evil one is? The exact same two letters. Ra. If you read it in the text, they would look identical. Love your enemy as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is your enemy, but your na- enemy is your neighbor. Right. They're both contained in the same way. It's the same exact word. So, of course, when he sees that story there, and, he said, and then he says, now I'm going to let me tell you a little story, buddy. So sit down, have some popcorn. You know what I mean? And he tells him, let me tell you a little story about one of your enemies, enemies saving your hide. All right? Why would he do that? Well, it's to make it very clear to him that, oh, we have plenty of barriers I'd love to put up to stop me from loving somebody. And it's not about feeling all kinds of lovely, affectionate feelings for somebody. It's about, I want what is good. I will what is good in your life, and I won't stand in front of God willing what's good in your life. And I'm willing to create something and redeem something in order for something good to happen to you. I mean, I like the way you laugh or you know, cry or wear your clothes, but I love you. <laughs> And that's all, that ha- that's all that matters in this case. Amen? Amen. So, hopefully that's uh, built you up. And there's awesome. something that's that great, great for you to take away as you keep studying one another relationships. Thank you. All right, let's give it up for Gabe. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, giving us uh, your heart. And wow, what an incredible...
insights. I think like learning that clean and prune were the same yeah. word. I'm like, wow, I need to go prune my house. Uh, but it was really inspiring to hear, I think, just how amazing it is uh, what we get to share with one another and how that gets to reflect God's love. So uh, we actually wanted to give you a little gift and say thank you so much. So with that, we'll just close in a quick prayer and then you guys can go get your kids. All right, let's pray. Um, dear God, thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, and thank you for your love for us, Father God. We are so grateful that we get to be loved by you, and we get the privilege to love one another and love those uh, that might not be so easily lovable, Father God. Thank you um, for giving us such an incredible mission as this, Lord, that it really is life to the full. Um, I pray that we just embrace it wholeheartedly, um, whether we have infographics or not, and uh, that we can just really give our hearts. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Go for it.